Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance from public relations professionals across America. And we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics. But I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Hello, and welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast. Is your company or organization thinking of advertising with or otherwise marketing itself by linking to a sports team? My guest today says there are at least five important points you should consider before taking that leap. Joining us today from Fullerton, California is Dr. Joshua Dorsey, an assistant professor of marketing at California State University's Mahalo College of Business and Economics, where he focuses on consumer behavior, marketing, public policy, and other topics. Dr. Dorsey, welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. It's a beautiful Southern California day. Um, and there's nothing else that I would rather be doing than to be here with you. Well, I wish we could all be so lucky with that weather. <laughs> so so let me ask you now. So whether it's football, track and field, soccer, baseball, basketball, or motor racing, what are those issues that companies should consider before taking that marketing plunge with a sports uh, sports team? Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that when a company... Um, wants to think about taking that dive uh, in terms of making an an association between their brand, uh, their company, the products that they provide, and some other um, type of external brand. I think the first thing to try to keep in mind is um, just the compatibility of those two brands. Uh, For us in marketing, it's something that we call uh, co-branding, and I think that first and foremost, it's good to understand what another brand or team uh, is trying to do and make sure that you all are along the same path uh, and that you kind of just see the marketplace in a similar way. That's going to be an important step as you proceed um, in those relationships. And I think, first of all, is knowing what your company wants to do, what your brand would like to present to the consumers uh, in the marketplace, and that's going to be kind of an underlying component of making sure that there's compatibility with that other brand that you want to step out to. Now, this compatibility you you mentioned, is that in um, uh, service to the public, uh, consumer acceptance? How do you look for that compatibility? 
Oh, absolutely. So when when I speak in terms of compatibility, uh, I'm thinking first initially about the considerations in terms of what does my brand represent? Um, what is the identity of my brand? It's, it's something that we think about all of the time uh, in communication and marketing, trying to understand what do I really want to convey for my brand. Um, and that's the brand identity. And there's something also called the personality of a brand. So you don't really want, you know, brands that don't have um, the same kind of uh, image, the same personality, kind of the same philosophy um, of what their brand is about and how they uh, engage their marketplace. Those two things can conflict and they can ultimately into, you know, uh, confusing messages and con uh, confusing contacts with your consumer base. So I'm thinking about that first thing first. Uh, but then also just making sure that, again, uh, you're aligned in the bigger picture of those two brands and saying, do we want the same thing um, from a co-branding strategy overall? Are there certain uh, consumer outcomes that we're looking for, things like um, brand awareness, or am I looking to try to drive revenues from a co-branding strategy mm -hmm. um, and a campaign that we're working on together? So kind of micro picture and then in the bigger overall picture, of making sure that those brands are appropriate. Now, should this be done, when you say making sure they're appropriate, should this be done, one, would uh, a company look at this uh, organization's advertising, what they've been doing, make some decisions from that, or would they actually meet with the team uh, leadership to, to discuss how it could work? Oh, yeah, so for me, um, I always recommend to um, clients to anyone that I'm speaking to to make sure you get an idea um, first and foremost from that brand itself um, that means talking to people uh, developing relationships and uh, for us in marketing um, you know the communications and also for uh, the public policy side of it too we always are thinking about uh, relationships and understanding that those are the most powerful things um, that are making um, things work behind the scenes. So there's a lot of work that goes on that people usually don't see uh, when two brands kind of align and get together for a campaign like that. So behind the scenes, making sure that the leadership of the brands um, are on the same page. But I also think that there is, there's, there's a tale um, to be told from what a company puts out always. And so it's important to always engage with their social media to see how do they handle things like customer issues, uh, customer service, are they putting out consistent messages um, that may be able to cultivate the kind of equity that you would want for your brand, or are their messages kind of all over the place, um, are they not organized? Um, so I would just look out for things like that through traditional advertising, if it's a firm you know, that has the resources where they're doing that. Um, it may be down on, a, again, social media or a local advertising level as well, where you can kind of feel the essence of a company and a brand um, and then kind of just make sure that the, the administrative people are aligned with that as well. Um, and we call that the why, trying to figure out the why, the heart and soul of a company mm -hmm. um, and why they do what they do. So I'd imagine a lot of this uh, is, is uh, let's say, uh, early work you can get this sort of thing from looking at the advertising past and present to get some idea of where they stand on some issues but you probably also need to sit as you said sit down with them to understand the 
the heart and soul of the company. And, and in some cases, you perhaps can just develop together a joint piece that would work for both of them. Is, is that possible? Oh, for sure. Um, for certain. That is actually an ideal collaboration uh, when we talk about trying to make a co-branding effort. Um, if you can, you know, sit down, make a joint effort together that kind of um, accommodates the concerns or the objectives or goals of both of those brands, that is absolutely an ideal situation. Um, sometimes it can be, you know, where two companies uh, have similar uh, ideas, but they want to go with different types of campaigns, but they still allow each other to leverage um, the names of the brands, you know, and all of the equity that would come with that as well. Uh, and that's a situation that you see sometimes, um, but it's more of I'm using the name and kind of leveraging, um, you know, maybe your consumer base or the things that you have built in the marketplace. Uh, but ideally, yes, you want to have a joint um, effort where everybody is in the same step. But I've seen multiple iterations of it work very successfully. Um, so it's really about finding which of those um, manifestations is the best for your particular situation and your particular company. Okay, so what would the next uh, uh, tip be for companies looking to do something with a sports uh, group? Well, sure. So when we talk about the things that we um, just mentioned, those are more of understanding what your game plan is. Um, and again, understanding the game plan of whoever you want to try to associate your brand with, um, whether it's a sports um, period, whether it's a particular team. Um, and I've seen both of these types of relationships be established. Um, but that's part of the game plan, understanding yours, understanding a joint game plan, um, and just how you see that vision so it can be executed. Uh, then the next thing that we really look for and, and want to think about um, I call it the runner pass uh, for this context. And I think it's um, a very important step as well, something that's often overlooked a little bit. I touched on it briefly when I said understand what types of um, outcomes that you all want for the brands. Uh, because there are, there are campaigns that have different purposes when we engage with the public um, from a PR, from a communications or marketing perspective. And I call it the runner pass because that just means um, which route do you want to go, which way do you want to try to appeal to a consumer. And it's very, very important to try to understand that. Um, a lot of different appeals work for different brands and companies. So we think about trying to have campaigns built on uh, drama or themes of, you know, things that are dramatic. We have nostalgia, which is a very, very prominent uh, theme now that a lot of companies like to try to seize upon or retro themes, uh, things like that. We also have sadness and we have social appeal. Um, so all of these things are ways that we can actually uh, reach that consumer and we want to just figure out what's the best way. Uh, it kind of is an offshoot of the overall game plan, but then figuring out how you want to do that and what's the best way um, to collaborate with another brand and another company to get to those outcomes. Um, the other thing I think is, do you want to just engage with consumers to spread the name of your brand? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really lost on people. That's more towards brand awareness. And that's a great thing. You know, GoDaddy.com is a brand that has tremendous awareness um, in their space of what they do, web hosting. 
Um, so it, it has tremendous awareness, but often they try to engage and have advertisements. It's not about driving revenues. Um, so those are two very different designs in terms of, again, the runner pass, which route do you want to go, not just in how you appeal, but then what outcomes are you looking for as well. So is it about driving revenues and try to do promotions, or is it about just merely getting your name, you know, broader and more aware into that consumer uh, base? You know, one of the things you brought up when you said, should it be, could it be drama, nostalgia, sadness, in uh, determining it sounds to me like uh, there's going to be some testing needed. In other words, the consumer test, uh, let's try this one, let's try that one, mm-hmm. and find out which one resonates better with the uh, the consumers you're trying to reach. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Um, a very, very astute um, comment. The fact that we have to, um, you know, we have to kind of, yeah, so when what I say in marketing um, and communications is just that, there's nothing that's done by accident. Um, I want to make sure that we tell people that everything is so deliberate. Um, there's so much um, research that happens behind the scenes. There's so much um, testing. We really want to make sure because once we put a uh, poorly developed or poorly thought out or poorly executed um, you know, brand contact out into the marketplace, then it's something that you, know, you can't get back. Um, the internet is alive and well. It'll be here, um, and it just takes one time for an advertisement um, to go awry, and for that to really have a poor effect on a brand. So yeah, absolutely, doing focus groups um, is something that I've done uh, myself a few times. That's a great way to test out, um, you know, the the strategy that you want to try to use, and it's a great way to also say, let's do the work up front. Um, and make sure we have things right so we don't end up a cautionary tale later on um, in trying to repair our things uh, through, through PR um, once we've made a contact point with the consumer that's not appropriate. So I do. I bring in a book sometimes and, and talk to my students about it. It's called The 101 Worst uh, Business Mistakes Ever. And I also show them advertisements that I've identified um, that do not resonate from the intended angle, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's a you know a racial angle, um, a social you know angle, whatever angle it is. There's so many missteps, and they happen every day. Um, do the work up front, and you'll be less, much less likely to have those types of um, missteps with your consumers in the in the end. You know when I when I hear you uh, say that, one of the obviously uh, classic snafus. Uh, was the uh, I believe it was called the new Coca Cola uh, some years ago where uh, <laughs> they're real flat real one. quick <laughs> and so they scrambled and uh, I don't think they've ever well they, they've got something new out now but obviously the testing was uh, far more extensive uh, vanilla and whatever it else Coca Cola but uh, I don't know how it's being received but at least I don't think they're going to uh, uh, they've taken precautions not to suffer the same. Uh, embarrassing fate they did with the uh, with the new Coke. Indeed, uh, and you know most of um, the companies I tell people about companies. You know we have LLCs. Uh, you know we register companies, and they also have, um, in, legally speaking, they I mean they're almost treated in the same way as a person um, in terms of the legal protections and the things like that, or sometimes the obligations. Um, if you don't have LCs or your, your company set up in a, in a specific way. 
But when I tell people about that is you have to also understand that, yes, even though a company gets afforded some of those, um, you know, legal uh, considerations, it's still it's still people. And that's the bottom line, that people are making these decisions and that we all as people have blind spots as well. Um, we make mistakes as well. So it's always when we think about what a company did and the misstep of a company, it's like, oh, you know, and for your example, I love that one. It's kind of a cult uh, marketing example for us. And um, But I love it. But it's Coca-Cola. I mean, that's a large company with a lot of resources, and they can still make a tremendous misstep like that. Um, there are many, many contemporary examples of companies that have done the same thing recently. Um, you know, I don't know if we have enough time on the program to get into all of those, uh, but there have definitely been a lot of um, similar types of snafus. And it's just something that you have to recognize that it's people ultimately making these decisions um, and that people are the way that it can be safeguarded against making poor decisions. Take your time, do a little research on the front end. Um, I always had a professor that told me do it right the first time and you you know you don't have to do it again you know a second time um, and it's just from a cost perspective from a PR perspective take time make sure you have all the ducks in a row on the front end and uh, it'll be less costly and less um, you know likely to have something go wrong or go haywire well that that certainly makes a uh, makes a lot of sense but then you also talk about the teamwork that uh, that's required to make this happen. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, and I like to say teamwork makes the dream work. It's, it is. It's one of my favorite phrases. Uh, people laugh at me. I guess it's a, it's a little bit on the corny side, but um, it is. It's something that I think rings true. It resonates with people. Um, and the idea behind the, the teamwork um, is saying make sure that for a company um, every piece of however you contact this, this this consumer base is going to be working together. So all of those components work together, whether it's from a customer service perspective, whether it's from that advertising perspective, whether you have radio campaigns, whether you have a billboard, you know, a co-branding attempt that you're doing with a joint um, brand, you know, together. Whichever way that that happens and, and that arises, um, the fact is something called integrated marketing communications. It's so critical. It's something that I like to write about. Um, and it's something that I find in working with businesses that they overlook um, too often, too often for my comfort. Um, but again, one of those mistakes that, that people make, and I may have a different campaign or a different message that I'm sending through radio or television or advertisement, print media, even again through my customer service representatives because those all kind of go towards the identity of the brand. Uh, and there's companies that are known for doing that very well and also companies that are known for having um, disjointed or kind of fragmented um, ways of presenting their communications to the mm -hmm. public. And that's kind of when you, you know, all of the money, all of the resources at the time, when it's fragmented in that way, none of those pieces kind of resonate. You end up, again, doing a lot of work that kind of slips through the cracks. So that's what we mean when we say teamwork, you know, making sure all of your communications work together. Every consumer contact point says the same thing, and it, it conveys the same exact message to your consumers. Well, you know, that's why I think it's important that there be some overseer, if you will, 
to check these things before they they hit the public to make sure there is consistency. The message is the same uh, that we've done all the background work to make sure that uh, what we're trying to say is being said and what we'd like people to take away from it is being received the same way. Sure thing. I agree. Then the other thing I think is really, really important that, that you mentioned is not to be timid, to be bold about things. I mean, that one I really get behind because I think it's yes, hugely sir. important to move forward with your projects. Yes, sir. Um, and that may be my favorite point as well. Um, go forward on fourth down. I think uh, when we think in the classic, in the classic sense, um, and as you as you stated in the introduction or the lead-in, um, there really is, um, you know, there is so many ways that we can look at trying to establish these uh, associations and these affiliations. Um, when I first was um, approached about kind of giving my uh, input into the into this particular story, um, what I did was kind of try to think about, you know, in that true sports uh, analogy and, and what way it could work. And so when I think about football, that's what really uh, connected with me. And so I do. I call that um, going forward on fourth down. Mm-hmm. And it just reflects the ability to be bold, um, kind of going contrary to the, the conservative nature that we see in uh, football a lot of times. You know, I've, I always said if you can get three or four or five yards on first down, why couldn't you get it on fourth down? It's, it's the same down. You have one try. And if I average five yards per play over the season, why would I not go for it on fourth and one? Uh, it's just a conservative nature that's built into um, the particular sport, and I understand it. Um, but I also say when we translate this over into what we want to do with our brand strategies, um, communicating again with our base of people, um, I want to make sure I encourage people and know that I, I 100% advocate for being bold I also say be calculated and strategic, however. Um, so being bold doesn't mean being reckless. It doesn't mean, um, you know, handling your resources in a wanton manner. Uh, but it does mean make sure that you're able to try to strike um, a chord in your consumer base that's really going to connect um, something that's daring, something that hasn't been done before. Um, don't be afraid to push those boundaries. I love it. Anytime you can make an indelible oppression upon your consumers um, or something called uh, the cost of acquisition, if you can wrap that up into your return on investment um, from an advertising campaign or a communications campaign, and you can actually expand the consumer base by bringing in new or acquiring new consumers, um, now you've hit the jackpot. And so that's what I mean by going forward on fourth down. Just be bold. Don't be timid. Um, understand your vision of your company, your why, and make sure that you communicate that in the best way possible. Um, so don't be afraid to take a chance there, but well, calculate it. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that because that is exactly what I did uh, when I decided to launch communication strategies. I knew that mm-hmm. I needed to have a client that spoke about, well, this is a quality client. The guy must know what he's doing. Uh, you know, being in this business, I could, just could not send out an announcement that I'm starting a company. That doesn't mean anything. It's, it's not newsworthy. But if I could come up with a client that nobody would have expected, then how can I make this work and let it hit the newspaper? And that's what I did. I wound up getting uh, the Nashville Ballet. 
And okay. uh, that was a very, very high-end client. <clears throat> now, what I don't tell people was that there was no money involved. It was more important for me to get have the name rather than trying to make something from this. But as so as a result of that hitting the newspaper, the uh, you know the the business journal that opened up a lot of doors for me because I was willing to. I didn't do the work for free. What what happened was. Uh, all of the money had been allocated for advertising. It was all gone, but they did have a boatload of tickets. So I just had a, got a handful of tickets as my compensation. But the fact that I could now use that name and it did hit the newspaper, it, it actually wound up getting me a client who saw it and called me up and uh, wound up doing business for, for that, uh, that company that called me for about seven years. So wow. that bit of a bravado paid off in the long term for me. Indeed. I love it. I mean, I, I do. And I, I tell clients, I tell students that, you know, fortune favors the bold and it favors those who are proactive. Um, so I love that. I, you know, it's things that I've had to, to kind of um, do in my life as well, making sure that I, I stepped out and said, you know, I left home at 17 and I decided that I could make it on my own. Um, you know, my mind could be my greatest asset. Um, and I really said, let me try to uh, work my way up into, you know, being Dr. Dorsey. And it's something that nobody um, expected or nobody really does. It's not kind of the norm. Uh, but sometimes you do. You have to step out of your comfort zone, be bold, um, and embrace the things that, that you know you can do personally, and in our case, um, or with the brand. And so, yeah, I, I definitely want to um, double down on that one, triple down on it. I just made up a new word today. Mm-hmm. Um, but triple down, <laughs> I, I think, is so essential um, in terms of a mindset when you're approaching uh, your consumers and you want to connect, make sure that it resonates. And I have students from nonprofits or not-for-profits. I have students, you know, from traditional for-profit companies and everything else in between. Um, all of these skills are relevant and necessary um, so no matter what kind of angle you're taking with it, what industry you may be in in particular, that's something that I can recommend um, pretty much across the board. Be bold. You know, and, and, and sort of tying into that, one of the, my other uh, things that I, I tell students when I lecture to them and, and my uh, position as well is don't be afraid to fail. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you go down the tubes because you didn't do anything at all. It means that based on your calculations and how you design things, something along those lines, it did not work, doesn't mean that you need to give up. It means that maybe you need to go back, recalibrate it, tweak something, add something that you left out. But if you don't, if you're not willing to take that chance, then chances of success start to diminish after that. Absolutely. I I couldn't have said it better. I like that. Very articulate. I love that one. Well, now the best part is once uh, you've done and taken these steps and implemented them and it works, you say that it's time to celebrate after that. <laughs> well, I'll say this as well. This one was one uh, that I definitely did think about football. And, you know, the the football celebration rules have kind of went back and forth of, of what you can and can't do. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking absolutely make sure that you celebrate, but don't get a, a penalty flag uh, for, for the, the excessive celebration. You know, they do choreographed dances and, and all of the things like that now. Um, I love it from an entertainment standpoint, and I think uh, the coaches may not love it as much as I do. But when I talk about it in terms of, um, you know, the the business or the communication standpoint 
Um, I do. I mean a similar thing. Uh, but when I talk about the celebration, it means know that you've done something that is a success. Know that you've done something constructive and positive, uh, which using our extended uh, football metaphor would be the, the touchdown. I mean, you scored, that's points. Um, and the name of the game is to have more points in the other team. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a positive step forward. That's an asset within that game. And so I'm just trying to, to you know, articulate that, put it in a way that people can uh, really connect to say, yeah, I've done something well, but let's not celebrate, you know, too much where we get off track. So I talk about um, making sure after the fact after a campaign, after you've um, launched with a co-branding effort, make sure that you feel good about it. Uh, make sure that you do. Take take time to celebrate the little moments, those little successes. Um, but again, a touchdown doesn't mean that you won the game either. Um, so celebrate, have a moment, but it also says get ready to re-engage with new consumers. As I talked about um, going forward on fourth down, you may have new consumers, um, and that's a great thing, the acquisition of uh, new patrons or new customers. But now what do I have to do? The work really starts all over again, if we think about from the beginning and the first step of how do I engage with these consumers, how do I continue to communicate uh, my message. And to me, that's similar to the, the, the football game. If you score, uh, it doesn't mean you won the game. You know, it could be a 10-7 to 7 game and you need another score. Um, but it just says I got to go back on offense and I have to try, to try to do this again. So what I thought about with that one was making sure that people understand it's fine to take a moment, a moment uh, but then you have to get back in the game, celebrate what you've done, especially if you've executed with the right type of deliberate strategy that we've talked about. Um, but also be ready to come back on offense the next possession um, and re-engage any new consumers to try to reinforce the messages that you did in the campaign. And to also say, what other future considerations can I start to do? How do we learn? As we talked about Coke, um, how can we learn from our mistakes? You know, how can we move forward? How can we assess the things that we've done better uh, or that, that we have done well? and then try to move forward from that. So it's kind of a twofold thing. Absolutely be ready to celebrate. You did something well. Um, celebrate the small successes. That's any size business um, from the smaller entrepreneurship, uh, sole enterprises, the one person, and that's all the way up to the Fortune 500 companies. Take moments to celebrate the great things that you've done, but get ready to re-engage your consumers and be back on offense. And, and, and not only that, to also make maintain, uh, make sure that you continue to deliver the expectations that that consumer has expected of you. Because Absolutely. I think the records show that maintaining uh, a consumer is far less expensive than continually Ooh. going out to get new ones. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Um, far more. And the, the estimates range, but I've seen from seven to ten times. I mean, I've seen a whole lot of different estimates. Um, in terms of the cost of customer acquisition versus the cost of maintaining a consumer. So, mm-hmm. again, I don't want this to make it seem like a daunting task because we've worked our way down, we get to the touchdown, we've done something well. Uh, but it is. It's it's regroup yourself and realize that now, even if I do have new consumers, that means that it's more work, and that's a good thing. 
Um, so I don't want to make it seem like an endless, you know, cyclical um, type of process. It really is what it is, or I do want it to seem like that, but I don't want it to seem like that's daunting uh, because it's just what we do in life, whether it's, a, a, again, a sporting event, um, you know, whether it's a business, we have to make sure that we celebrate the good things, we learn from them. If there's anything negative that we had, you know, we can fix that. Um, but then we can move forward and try to, uh, like as you said, make sure the customers that we have in the fold stay in the fold um, and then try to, again, continue expanding um, and making those those unique, strong, uh, and positive connections with our brand. Well, this has been a delightful conversation, and I just want to say thank you again, uh, Dr. Joshua Dorsey, for joining us here on the uh, Public Relations Review. And uh, we certainly want to stay in touch with you because perhaps you have some other wisdom that you can uh, impart to us uh, uh, at another time. Well, absolutely. That is a um, tempting invitation and is one that I'll definitely make sure I hold you to. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure for me to uh, be here today, uh, be able to talk things, uh, discuss things that I, I enjoy, um, things that I'm passionate about, anything related to you know, advertising, marketing, PR, communications. Um, they're all things that, that you know, make my heart very happy. So I'm glad to have been here. Um, thank you for the time. I do. I have research um, that covers, you know, the, the issues of the burgeoning cannabis marketplace and how do we engage with that as consumers? What information do consumers need to protect them? I have some research on the uh, healthcare marketplace and how consumers can make better financial decisions there. Um, so there's a lot of, of cool things. If any of that is of interest, I would love to come back and share those one day as well. Um, it's just always about the consumer, but I'm glad that I could uh, be here representing uh, Mahalo College today, uh, California State University Fullerton, and I'm glad that I could be a part of it. And So thank you. Well, let me say thank you again, and also let me uh, say th- Uh, Thank you to my uh, listeners for being with us and uh, please look forward to joining us for the very next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.